Let's not even mess around in this edition of Getting There with Gaz. Let's get the banners up. Let's get the backgrounds up. And let's talk about Sienna Iona from last night. I was rooting for the Saints. I thought this was the year. The top seed back-to-back times. Unfortunately, the Saints go down 55-52 to to Iona. Iona is a nine seed. Was the favorite in this game. Now, if you're a Sienna Saint fan, you're frustrated. I get it. And let's be real. Back-to-back seasons... You guys got screwed. There is no other way to put that. And I don't know if alumni are going to feel the same way or if Coach Carm's going to mention the same way. But let's be real what's happened with the Siena Saints here. In 2020, they're the top seed. They're going to go to the NCAA tournament. They're likely going to play Kansas and keep that game close. But COVID-19 shuts down the entire March Madness situation, the MAC tournament, and more. So Siena's poised to go to the tournament in 2020 as the number one seed in the conference tournament. It doesn't happen. Now, this year, they're the number one seed And they get Iona, who is run through this conference year after year when it comes to tournament time. Tim Kloos and now Coach Rick Pitino. That was not a nine seed they played. Vegas had the Gales favored in the game. How in the world? Now, I get it. Iona's been affected by COVID-19. That's why the seeding was the way it was. But they're the two top teams in the MAC, And they have to play them in the quarterfinals? It's ridiculous. Now, it sounds like I'm making excuses right now that Coach Carm and his team should have been ready to go. And look, Sienna has the lead in that game. Sienna has the game in their favor. 42 to 33. 42 to 33 to basketball game in the college level with 8.33 to go. And what happens? Sienna does not score for about eight minutes. Iona scores the next 16 points. And it doesn't go in the Saints' favor. Now, when they look back on the season, the Saints are going to say, that's on us. We got to finish the game. We have to come through and have it happen. Saints fans are disappointed because they felt like this was going to be the year. They're going to be able to go to the NCAA tournament. I had had all these things prepped on my sheets here for Gaz on the go about the teams that the Saints would have looked forward to playing in the NCAA tournament. I was looking at Ohio State and Arkansas as really good matchups for the Saints. But instead... We sit here, and here's the thing for Saints fans for 2021 and 2022. The program is moving in the right direction. Coach Carm has won back-to-back regular season titles in two consecutive seasons. And here's what I love about that program. And you know this if you follow college basketball recruiting. When there's those big-time recruits out there, especially in New York State, you'll see the list of schools they're considering. And you'll see like the Power 5 conference schools, and they always see Siena. Coach Carm knows how to recruit. Jalen Pickett getting NBA looks. Manny Camper, player of the year in the conference. I'm telling you, I feel so confident about this, knowing Coach Carm's recruiting styles and how he's doing this. We've seen in March Madness a player from a non-Power 5 school, one of the big majors. And look, these are high confidence I'm going to give, but like the Steph Currys, the Gordon Haywards, You know the names of the players who, Fred Van Vliet, Ron Baker, you know the names I'm talking about, of players who are not on traditional basketball powers who stand out and make a name for themselves in the NCAA tournament. Mark my words on this. Within the next 10 years, Coach Carm in this Siena Saints program out of the MAC is going to find one of those players, whether they're from New York State or not, and they're going to make a run, and that person's going to be an NBA player and be a household name. I don't know who. But he's going to catch somebody when like they're a freshman or a sophomore. They're going to be, Sienna's the team that's always been on me and interested in me. They're going to sign. They're going to blossom and develop, and Sienna's going to take off. So Saints fans, that's how you should feel about that. 
But it moves on to the second topic, which is driving me insane. And that is just flat out conference tournaments this year. If you know me, I love this time of the year. This time last year, I took off a full week to watch the conference tournaments. I am the guy who will watch the random one-bid leagues because I used to love the moments where they'd storm the court. I love the fans getting into it. Those magical moments where they're going to the big dance, March Madness, and you know it's the first time you're getting to see Cinderella. I don't think it's the Sienna thing that has me thinking this way. Of all the years not to have a conference tournament, this is the year. Why are they having the conference tournaments this year? Now, I know the easy answer is money, guys. It's all about money. Sure. But at some venues, fans can't go. Is the ESPN contract that big of a deal on the television side? And maybe the answer is flat out yes. Guys, you know the answer right now. Stop talking. The answer is television and money. It could be. But couldn't some conferences get together? And I'm talking about the one-bid leagues, not so much the mid-majors. And we'll get to some of these mid-majors in a second. I know Syracuse fans want to talk about it, no doubt. We're going to get to Syracuse. Hang on. But the America East, the MAC, the SOCON, you know the conferences that one bid's coming out of it. Now, if you're a regular season champion out of those leagues, this is a big deal for these regular season champs. I hope a lot of people do realize this. Even if you don't get to the NCAA tournament, you don't win your conference tournament, which, of course, gives those schools an automatic qualifying berth to the big dance. Those regular season champs would still go to the NIT. And I know people say that's the leftover tournament, but imagine you get to play on ESPN. If we're talking about ESPN and contracts and everything else, you're still going to get an opportunity to get a national audience because the March Madness tournament, the NCAA tournament, is on the CBS networks and Turner. So that is a big deal. Now, if you win your conference tournament regular season this year, 2021, you're not going to the NIT if you're a one-bid league. And what did you play for? Think about this. You played through a pandemic. You had to get tested. You go through the list of schools that had to shut down for weeks. And at the end, they say, hey, you know those like 15 to 20 games you played over the course of the last three months? Yeah, none of that mattered because we got to get back on for television to find out who's actually going to go. We know you have nothing going to happen because like the CIT and CBI and the NIT smaller. We know you probably wanted to play more games, but uh, this is all that really matters. That hurts as a fan to hear. I know you tried to enjoy college basketball as a one-bid league, but this is all that matters when it comes down to television. I wish the one-bid leagues would have gotten together and said, hey, this team won our regular season championship. This team is our best team. They should go to the NCAA tournament representing our conference. Of all the years to do it, you could do it this year. And I know what someone's going to say, guys, come on. The conference tournaments, they get to be on television. They get this, they get that. And they just can't change the rules. Oh, you mean like the Big Ten and Ohio State football? Oh, so Ohio State football can change the rules and allow them to get an opportunity to play in a playoff situation. But the smaller conferences can't just pick their winner and move on. Okay. I hope that doesn't happen going forward. Like, I love the conference tournaments. I think the NIT is a big deal. I think teams can improve their resumes with non-conference games and some of these one-bid leagues potentially in the future. I look at the MAC again. That year, they had the bench mob in Monmouth in 2016. There are chances where you can improve. Unfortunately, this isn't one of those years, and I wish they would have just flat-out changed it. I wish they would have said, we're not taking the court. Put our team in. We'll see what happens after that. Now, one team we want to see take the court in the NCAA tournament is the Syracuse Orange. 
Syracuse destroys NC State this past Wednesday afternoon. I know it, Orange fans. Here's the problem, Syracuse fans. Here's what I don't want you to happen. If you're watching on the visual side, you see a nice photo here of a throwback Syracuse thing. Let's just not even show the Syracuse action. Let's show that face. Boom. There's Joe Lenardi. I think it was Kevin Wall who I saw on Twitter, and someone shared his tweet, so I liked it as well. He said, look what happens every year for Syracuse fans. This guy with the fake hair and the toupee is in some type of cave, as Bill Walton says. And his constant clicks go up. The engagement goes up because Syracuse fan is drove crazy. Drift, drove, driven. You know what happens with him. By this crazy Lenardi guy. Lenardi's not even like the top bracketologist. If you go to the bracket matrix and the bracket project and all these other sites that does the actual great. Lenardi's like in the bottom of this. But the reason Lenardi gets to stay on ESPN every year, let's be real. Is because of Syracuse fans. Because Lenardi doesn't put him in, and then he does, and he doesn't, and it drives us crazy, and I'm a fellow Syracuse fan, so I get it. So enough about Lenardi, although I'm going to force you to look at this face for the next few minutes. Let's talk about the flat-out question we all want to know. Is Syracuse in? Are the Orange going to go to the NCAA tournament? And as we sit here, I waited till 11 o'clock at night on Wednesday to tape this Gaz in the Go episode because I wanted to know. Is this stuff actually going to match? Is this going to work? And here's what I've come down to, crunchy numbers and everything else. Lenardi, as of right now, is not too far off with a lot of his picks. Now, Xavier's in the mix. I think the Musketeers blew their opportunity because Xavier lost to a really, really bad Butler team. So if you're a Xavier fan, 13-9 and is the record I had for the Musketeers. They're done. Now, a team like VCU... Falls in the same situation. I don't see the Rams being able to move that much because VCU and another team, St. Louis, they're done. The A-10 tournament's wrapped up. So these teams really can't improve where they're going to go forward from here. If maybe a team with a conference opportunity is out there, and what I'm talking about is Syracuse, then they can improve. But when you basically locked it up, that can't really take you anywhere further. Now, here's the thing. Someone's going to say, guys, well, you mentioned VCU. VCU is technically not done. VCU plays St. Bonaventure. I'm wondering if the Rams can actually beat the Bonnies. I like the Bonnies a lot this year. They got a lot of strength. They got a lot of size. If you're a New York sports fan, St. Bonaventure can play. They got, I'm telling you, the Bonnies have been producing some talent. Anyways, St. Bonaventure can play. I think they're going to get crushed by St. Bonaventure. So with that being said, I think VCU doesn't have not as good as a resume as some of these other teams we're going to mention, which is Syracuse. Is it as simple as this, guys? If Syracuse beats Virginia, they're in, and if they lose, they're out. No. And it goes both ways. So if they beat Virginia on Thursday, they will have that win over the Cavaliers as the most impressive win of these other bubble teams. I really look at it with VCU likely going to fall into that first four spot after they get crushed by St. Bonaventure. You're looking at the Mountain West teams. Drake's thing's already done. They can't really improve their resume. against St. Louis cannot because St. Louis is not playing in the A-10 title game. But you're looking at teams like Boise State, Colorado State, Utah State are all in that mix. And if you want to watch those games, those games will tip off later today. Boise State's got a 4-5 game at 2.30 Pacific against Nevada. Utah State's the two against UNLV and Colorado State's the three. So here's the thing. 
one of those schools is going to make a run likely to the conference finals. Utah State or Colorado State, if it goes chalk, will get an opportunity to face off against one another in the semis, and the winner of that will play for the automatic bid that weekend. So that's what puts those teams in position to have their best wins of the season. Now, we can't do that game. Well, Syracuse has their best win over Virginia. Well, yeah, so would these Mountain West schools, and I already can hear you. Well, guys, Virginia is better than everybody in the Mountain West. I agree. But when you start stacking up those victories towards the end of the season, that matters. Okay, guys, I still don't think that's a good enough explanation. I still think Syracuse has played in the ACC. A win against Virginia would be good enough. Okay, I didn't think I was going to use this, but here we go. If Syracuse beats Virginia, yes, their resume is likely going to be better than Boise State, Utah State, Colorado State, those teams out in the Mountain West. And again, Xavier lost to Butler. They're in a good spot. If they lose, what will be the tie-breaking decision? If Syracuse does not beat the Cavaliers and one of these teams can jump them or it's right close, what is the deciding factor? I have the deciding factor for you. It's the NCAA Selection Committee members. Now, go through the history of this stuff. You want to go back to 2006 when Air Force was a controversial pick? George Mason got in as an 11 You can go through some of these. No way. Why'd they get in? Why did they get in? Somebody was in their corner on the selection committee. And unfortunately, Syracuse fans, if you look at this year's selection committee, there is only one representative from the ACC. And that's the University of North Carolina's AD, Lawrence Cunningham. Guys, that's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal because the commissioners on this year's NCAA selection committee are from the Atlantic 10. So not one AD, the entire commissioner. So if you want to have somebody with a voice who might be talking to somebody about a St. Louis or one of these other teams from the A-10, there you go. And more importantly, Craig Thompson is on the board. Do you know who Craig Thompson is? Maybe not. He is the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference. So if you want to go conspiracy with me, that is a huge deal. When you have the conference president, the commissioner of the league, sitting on the committee of who's picking the NCAA tournament teams this year, and you've got a few bubble teams, and one of these or two or three of these teams may be playing their best basketball of the season, that does not bode well for the Orange. So if I had to make a prediction right now, whether or not I think Syracuse is going to make the NCAA tournament, unfortunately... I would say no. I hope when you listen to this podcast, Syracuse has beaten Virginia and can tweet me at Tom Goss. T-O-M-G was easy. Goss, you idiot. I can't believe you picked Syracuse to not make it. Blah. I'm wearing a Syracuse shirt. I might even flip it over here on the visual side so you can see it. I'm wearing this. We're kind of a big deal. I'm rocking my Q shirt right now. I hope they get in. I don't feel good about my Syracuse orange getting into the NCAA tournament. Let's move on to another story here involving the Capital Region. And if you are a high school fan of football in New York State, this one might impact you as well. It involves former Troy High School standout Dev Holmes and what's happened with UAlbany. For a little perspective here, Dev Holmes is in the conversation over the last 10 years as one of the best New York State offensive football players in the state. That's right. Decade. He's one of the top 10 guys. In no particular order, 
Darnell Wolfork from Maine and well, who ended up having a really nice career at Army. Jesse Manuel Tioga, Joseph Gerard III from Glens Falls, Joe Capabianco from Lawrence, Shane Sweeney from Geneva, Tyler Rouse from Mullinsville. He is in this discussion. Dev Holmes, offensively, his style of play is like Wes Welker at Texas Tech meets Percy Harvin. He was that good for the Great Danes. Now, here's the situation that happens with Dev. Has a really good standout freshman season and 50 catches, 734 yards, five times. And then all of a sudden, his numbers are way down in 2019. Less than, what, 100 yards? Less than 10 touchdowns? Not even 10 touchdowns. How about less than 100 yards and zero touchdowns through three games? Dev Holmes ends up no longer being a part of the team in 2019. And there's rumors he's going to come back and play for the Great Danes. And all of a sudden, before kickoff this year, no Dev Holmes. It just didn't work out. Like, that happens in sports all the time. One of the best examples in the Central New York sports fans know this is Ashton Broyle, who was in that conversation for a long time as one of the best high school football players at the colleg collegiate level didn't really work out that well because they didn't know what to do with them. Like, Ashton Broyle is really good for Rush Henriette out in Rochester. Syracuse just didn't know how to use him. Dev Holmes. Jeff Undercuffler leads the FCS in passing touchdowns. Undercuffler is going to tear up the carrier dome when he comes in the fall. This team's really good. So what is Coach Cattuso supposed to do? Give Dev the ball? Look, he was a standout of Troy. He's in that conversation as one of the best high school players the last 10 years because no other school over the last 10 years won back-to-back -back state championships at the Class AA level, the highest level possible. Troy did because of Dev Holmes. It's not personal, although Dev might feel like it is, although the coaching staff may feel like it is. They're trying to win football games, and Dev is trying to get on the football field. It just didn't work out. Now, Dev got his degree. He can go play somewhere else. He hasn't played football in two years. He might be a really good fit. I think some fits that would have worked for him if this was the 2008-2009 seasons, he would have been graded a Hofstra. He would have been graded an Iona. Another college football program in New York, but unfortunately, Hofstra and Iona don't have football anymore. He can find a place to play, but it's up to him. He can be an impact player. It just doesn't work at Albany anymore. Undercover is a different quarterback than Vinny Testaverde Jr. was, and that's okay. Like, we can go through the list of players. Kyler Murray won a Heisman Trophy. He was recruited to play at Texas A&M. Justin Fields didn't play enough at Georgia. Now, I'm focusing on the quarterbacks, but you see what's happening here at college football. Sometimes guys don't fit. There's no bad guy in the Dev Holmes thing. And I know Dev Holmes probably feels like it's the coaching staff. The coaching staff probably feels like it's the media that we keep talking about Dev Holmes and not the team winning football games. I know Coach Catuso, I know Coach Davis, and I know some of the coaches who coached Dev Holmes in high school. It just didn't fit. And that's okay. Sometimes some of these fits don't work at the college level, but there doesn't have to be a bad guy. And I think Dev Holmes, if he wants to, he can tear it up for the next two years in college football. He might just be done. I got a degree. I want to move on with my life. I'll go do something else. But Albany can still win football games without him. And Dev Holmes is still a really good football player with or without Albany. March is always filled with awesome college basketball stuff. College football sneaking into the weird world in 2021. The big news is the NFL is Dak Prescott. Look, Dak does it. Dak Prescott able to get that new contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Four years, $160 million. Good for Dak, man. 
$126 million guaranteed. I'm happy he was able to do that and pull that off because you know what? He's been a productive quarterback. Yeah, the Cowboys have not won as many games as Cowboy fans hope. But go rank your quarterbacks right now in the NFL. Where's Dak Land for you? He's a top 10 quarterback for me. Rushing, passing, touchdowns, yardage. Fantasy football owners know this as well. Dak Prescott puts up really good numbers. The offense is there and everything else. So I'm glad he finally got paid and deserves the contract that he gets, relatively speaking, of course, when it comes to professional athletes. So Dak and the Cowboys, what are their expectations going forward? The NFC East is open. You look at what the NFC East was last season. I know Giant fan thought they had a chance. Eagle fan, the whole thing collapses, especially that last taste of Doug Peterson and what goes on. The football team gets to the playoffs. Alex Smith is no longer there. They lost to, they can say they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champions, but Dak Prescott getting the contract is good for the league and it's good when the Dallas Cowboys are good. And I like Ryan Clark, man. Look, it's, it's entertaining. We'll get to Skip Bayless here in a second. I'm going to get to Skip, but I love what Ryan Clark said. I'd like to pay my respect to Dak and the Cowboys. Thank you for the last three off seasons of contract talks. Will Dak get paid? Leave conversations. And did Jerry screw this up? Discussions. Yes. It's the end of an era on Get Up. Don't worry. We'll find something else to talk to. Dak Prescott's contract had entered the conversation of, will Washington ever change their nickname? Oh, that actually happened. So we don't have to do that anymore. Now all the class, will Pete Rose ever be in the Hall of Fame? I guess we could still use that one. Who's the GOAT? Thank goodness Dak Prescott's contract talk has now been pushed aside for those rainy, boring, four to five hour television and radio show conversations. It is no more Cowboy fan. Now, I mentioned Skip Bayless because Skip is a part of this social media topic of the day for me. Now, last week, we talked about Jane Slater and unpaid internships and everything else. This week, I got to give Skip credit and Nick Wright and others because of something that drives me crazy in sports. And please, if you are a young reporter a young radio host, a media member, whoever it is, and you might be doing this right now and you think it's good. It's not. Can we please stop tweeting live scores of games? There is nothing worse on my timeline than watching the reporter watch the game that we're watching. Now, here's what I'm talking about. And if you're watching on our visual side, of course, you see these great tweets from a young Gaz from December 2013. Is there I was covering my first Syracuse game live tweeting Eastern Michigan Syracuse. At some point, somebody probably thought this was a good idea. Hey, for those people who can't see the game or hear the game, they can use Twitter as an outlet. But technology caught up. Guys, trust me. If someone is using Twitter to find out what's happening in the game, they probably have the technology to watch the game on their phone or have an app alert on their phone. Technology caught up. So all these people who used to not be able to watch the games, they probably would have at one point used notifications on their phones to find out what was going on. Stop doing this. This is not good content. And I don't care if it's happening at the high school level, the college level, the pro level. Please talk to whoever your boss is and tell them, can you not make me play-by-play play the game? Because this is horrendous content. It is. And someone's going to say, guys, you're being too tough on people. Here's what I would like. Go use some examples like this. 
There's a guy named Max Goodman, I believe, for the Yankees. He works for Sports Illustrated. Max does a great job, and John Boy Media is another really good one at this. Those guys actually go behind the scenes and tell you what's going on. Max Goodman's been doing a great job of showing some highlights and raw video of Yankee spring training. Sal Capaccio for WGR 550 does a great job. Jenna Cottrell as well of covering the bills and showing some stuff before the game, behind the scenes, not giving this play-by-play stuff. They're great at it. What is social media you need to be used for? Engagement, right? Look at these posts I have up here. Bryant from Eastern Michigan keeping the Eagles in it. That is not an engaging post. Now, some people try to do the easy engagement posts like, what's your favorite food? What your favorite athlete here? Like you can tell this dumb engagement posts and some of them are very corny. But what I mean by engaging is that when you go to a certain personality for the reaction, you know they're going to engage in those fan bases. Skip Bayless. We know he's going to get the LeBron people worked up. Stephen A. Smith, we just talked about the Cowboys. Those Cowboy losing videos when he starts screaming, they're funny. Uh, Nick Wright, he'll tweet at people during games. My buddy Zach Byout in Denver does a great job during Bronco games. There are certain people who start giving their takes during games who become engaging with the audience. That is good content. And sorry to swear her mom and dad is Vince McMahon says, that's good shit. Like that's what you should be doing for social media. It drives me crazy. Please explain to me. And if you listen to this and you're somebody who does this, who just live play-by-plays on Twitter, explain to me what it does. Well, guys, we're doing it for the parents. You're telling me the parents aren't the game or they're not watching on YouTube now in 2021? Well, we're covering the game. Okay, if you are doing something that I can do from my couch, watching the updates come on my phone, that's not covering the game. That's just basically giving us what's going on. Be different. Be interesting. Be unique. Do something different on social media when you're coming to an event. That's my piece of advice. And please, I hope that I, 2022 live play-by-playing sporting events stops on Twitter. It was there because we couldn't get the game on our phone. We can get the game on our phone now. Yeah, here's my picks for the week. Some of you, this is your favorite part of the podcast. You take these picks. I like two games this week, both in the NBA. Again, next week, we're going to do a big bracket show. We're going to break down the bracket, get your Cinderella's, help you in your office pool and everything else. But my picks for this week, keep an eye on a game coming up this weekend involving the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans Cavaliers. You're probably thinking, gosh, what in the world are you talking about with this game? But hang with me on why I love Pelicans Cavs coming up between two of these teams. Well, the reason is this. The New Orleans Pelicans have covered the over in 71% of their games this season. And they're third in the league in scoring, but they're 15 and 21. What? Yeah, so think about that for a second. You're 15 and 21, you're third in the league in scoring, you hit the over 71% of the times, but you don't have a winning record. You play the Cavaliers, by the way, this is a Friday 8 o'clock tip-all. Friday 8 o'clock tip-all. Cleveland is the lowest scoring team in the NBA. They average about 104 a game. The Pelicans 115. So you, if you can give me like 230, over under Pelicans, Cavs, 230 for Friday. I'm kind of going in the dark here a little bit because some teams have some action still left. If you can see that number pop up, give me like 231, 232, whatever's over 230. Obviously, you get it. My other play this weekend is Saturday, Nets, Pistons. Look, everyone's going to bet the Nets because they've got Griffin now, Blake Griffin, Kyrie, Durant, Harden. They're stacked. 
How's this team not going to win the NBA championship? I kind of kicking myself from last week. I said they're my favorite bet. I didn't actually place it. Now I hope the odds haven't gone too much, but look at like 10 and a half against the Detroit Pistons, because if it's over 10 and a half, maybe the Nets will show up. But if it sits right around double digits, can't the Nets just blow out the Pistons by barely playing them because of how bad Detroit is? And can't Detroit cover in the fourth quarter? I feel much more confident in my Cavs Pelicans over on Friday, but keep an eye on if that number is like a little bit at double digits, like 11 or 10. See if the Pistons, just because the Nets take them for granted and sit out in the second half because they say, what are we going to need this Piston game for? Cover. So keep an eye on that. Nets, Pistons, Cavs, Pelicans, two games. Keep an eye on again. Pelicans, Cavs on Friday, Nets, Pistons on Saturday. And that's it. It's a wrap on this week's edition of Gaz on the Go. I hope you enjoyed it. Talked a lot about the NCAA tournament. I feel for Siena, Syracuse fans. By the way, I didn't mention Louisville. Louisville has no business being in the NCAA tournament. They blew it against Duke. Xavier's out. UCLA is not that impressive. St. Louis, Drake. I feel like those teams, as we mentioned, have a possibility to get in. The Mountain West is a mess. Go Orange. Beat Virginia. Hopefully we're talking Next Thursday, you're getting bracket tips, you and your office pool, because of guys on the go. A lot of cool stuff on the way. Make sure you continue to follow, subscribe, download, rate, review, tell your friends, tell everybody about the podcast and what's going on with it. Hope you enjoyed it. We got new episodes out next week. Bracket show next Thursday. Talk to you then.